Well, we started kind of late because Minion had to go out for food. Did you, like, wake up <laughs> recently? I just took a nap. I wanted to take a quick nap and then... Had... Yeah, so... So, you and not using alarm clocks is still a problem, isn't it? Mm, well... Uh, Destiny 2 has its, um, second year thing where it's called the Summer or Solar Solstice. It's called the Solstice. Solar Solstice, I think it is. Well, Solar Solstice is where the sun and the moon thing, but in-game it's just called it. I don't know if there's anything else in front of it, but it's just a Solstice. Yep. Where it's a three-week event, you do stuff, and there's a bunch of things to do. And I, with a buddy or t with two but friends, we did a bunch of stuff on one character. We're essentially at the end, but the way to complete it, it opens up on Friday. And I just felt completely tired and out of it after finishing. And just uh. so. Sounds like an excuse. <laughs> but I, I guess this is one of your major hobbies, so it's a valid one. Um, I, I also wanted to complain about that particular game. I wanted to wait until, like, second segment. But there's nobody here, so we're not going to bore anybody right now. So everybody that's listening to this in the future, we get better, honest. <laughs> Maybe skip ahead um, if you're not interested in, in Destiny 2. So, yeah, Destiny 2, I also bumped into this event. It's not like... I don't get any notification as to what's coming up, which maybe that's a problem. Maybe I need to sign up to some newsletter or something like that. Because it would have been nice to have like a couple of days notice. I know with Steam, Steam, so I've got Path of Exile on Steam. I don't actually, I'm not playing the game right now. Um, but I still get like Steam pop-ups with when they have new community posts, whatever it is. So it's the curated posts by the by the game devs and so that's kind of a way of knowing when things come up because they talk about stuff uh, i don't necessarily have to do anything other than read the titles of these things but destiny's got no equivalent um, so i just kind of logged in to to waste some time and that's how i found out about this stuff and i didn't really know what it was or what it would get or anything like that but i looked through and so the so it's a, a shooter game so it's a no, or what would you call it? What is the the genre of game that Destiny is anyway? First person shooter, I guess is what you it's call it. It's a first. I'd say it's, it's a like first person game. MMO, but <laughs> even then, MMO. themselves at some point they were is under different classifications. Like they didn't really explain it themselves. Yeah. Okay. So it. It's kind of, there's there's multiplayer stuff in there where people's activities overlap and this kind of stuff. So it's kind of like open world ish. Um, anyhow, um, this event, I looked at it and it's based around uh, the gear you put on. So in this particular event, you get a set of gear, and what you're expected to do is go out in the world and like shoot certain categories of stuff with certain categories of weapons. And and so that that in itself is not kind of awful. You just have to pay attention to what you're going after now rather than just like chasing anything and doing whatever you want. The event constrains you in certain ways for you. You're forced to pursue certain things. 
Hey, yeah. Mister, how you doing? It's a grind. And uh, so you can kind of pursue this stuff, but I look through all the requirements of all the different gear, all the different items you get, and one of them is PvP. And because one of them is PvP, I can't do that one, so I can't do any of it, so this event is useless for me. So it's a lot of hype to make me feel bad, because I'm not a PvP player, period. I don't do it at all. Not even with people, not even casually, not even not caring, I just do not do that. That's just not part of my gameplay experience. And so unfortunately, although you can play this game and have a lot of fun and play with other people, uh, player versus environment or player versus enemy, you can play PvE. There are certain things like this where there's just a little bit of PvP that's, that's pushed in. And it's not optional in this case. So it's just a wall. And I would understand if this game had like a PvP set of like... If you were to pursue things because you're that kind of player and you went PvP and you were accomplished in that, you would be rewarded in a way that's unique to that kind of player. I'm on board with that. I don't like the idea of excluding regular Care Bear players like me from participating in something shared. I, I don't, don't. I think they, they should. Hmm? I don't think it was. Was it? What? Last Solstice was the same thing. Well, this one's a bit different, but. Well, it's the same gear problem where you have to. I think you'd have to kill 20 opposing guardians and do X number of PvP matches or something. Um, which character are you playing it on? Because uh, I've I've got a hunter. Does it matter? Like, I'm not going to roll another character just if it's if for this event. That would be kind of insane. Uh, okay, because there was a thing where it was a bit. <laughs> Never mind. I thought I, we were. I don't think. Like I doubt they would have, they would actually try hard enough to make some some zeros into ones on a different class. I mean, it would be it would be really easy, but I think they just make it consistent. Do you know about uh, what used to be a bug, uh, but I, what I think is it's official. And I think it's for this solstice, which is once you have completed your one your main character. I, I think you're you're mainly a hunter on that game, yeah. And yeah. once you finish this event entirely on that character. When you switch to your second character, one kill will count as two. So your your accomplishments will be easier to attain for this event. So you're rewarded for the full completion of the first one, which means you don't want to spread out your effort onto all the different characters. So you complete your one, then you switch to your second one. If you do complete your second one, not everybody plays everything like all the way that you do. So once you get to your third character, Every one kill or every one event or whatever counts for three. Oh, that so, would that, be nice. That's intended. Pay attention, but could be. Yeah, so I I didn't hunt down the actual tweet on Twitter, but there was a news post that I looked at because I wanted to understand this event, so I spent two minutes trying to understand what's going on. Um, really, what I wanted to learn is if if PvP was mandatory or not. And, uh, uh, I didn't get that answer, but for your guess. Well... Um, I don't know about the first set. I haven't touched Hunter, but the second set, it's... Oh, never mind. Yeah, you do have to. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, I feel I feel bad, but I mean, I don't feel that bad because it's not like I'm paying money for this game anymore because I feel salty about it, but mm. paying money for it twice. Um, yeah, if you've got any ideas, Mr. Pop-Ups, we're fine. I've got a list of notes of stuff I want to talk about, but it's good to get this stuff out of the way. Actually, Mr. Pop-Ups, if you're... 
Wait, what? Mr. Po- Wow, I'm just like- Um, you wanna just read out the list and see if that person finds anything uh, interesting? I suppose. Okay, so let me get into something a little bit more interesting. So uh, I did want to talk about sleep because you had some wacky sleep because of this game. That's why we started talking about this. And um, it, it hasn't happened like this to me before, but I actually had a period of time when I couldn't sleep. And it could be the temperature and it could be whatever, whatever, because I had complained about being kind of dehydrated when I was going to sleep. And I'll talk about why I was getting dehydrated. But I had trouble sleeping the, the day before last. And I tried napping and then I would just give up and wake up because it's not unusual for me to take a half an hour plus to get to sleep. My maximum, which I haven't seen in a long time, is three hours. So just imagine lying there bored, having your brain run around, waiting for three hours to go unconscious. And, and so... I would have your traditional six or seven hours of sleep like an adult, but the first while is me just lying there. So a lot of it is just rest. It's not meditation, which I'll talk about, but uh, it's just, it's boring. So um, I had kind of that experience where I was just lying in bed for a while, where I would kind of be a mini nap after a while, but it took so long and it was so boring that I would just give up and I would wake up. And uh, that happened a couple of times when I realized that it was it was noon the next day and I still wasn't tired. So what I did is I stayed up and I've talked to a doctor about my sleep. And so I've got I've got the kind of pills that you can't get a prescription for that will help me go to sleep. And so I have like an emergency stash of that from him. And this is not a drug dealer. This is an actual doctor. And and so I took I took a I took the the recommended dosage and i woke up I, I woke up a couple times to pee and i made sure that i got i drank water after doing that that's really important um because the dehydration headache is real it's like a hangover very much like a hangover and that's why hangovers are a problem is uh, the alcohol damages you and you are naturally dehydrated and that's that's where the pain comes from that's why it's in your brain as well because your brain is sensitive to dehydration that's also one of the signs of dehydration if you're in the desert, this kind of stuff. Anyhow, um, I did wake up a couple of times to pee, but that's that's weird. Normally, it's maybe once. Old men, it's an old man thing. You'll you'll do it. Everybody does it. And um, but I did it twice, and I ended up finishing my sleep. Um, something like I kind of slept into lounge around for a while, so I ended up sleeping something like going to bed at seven thirty eight and waking up at noon the next day, right? So I ended up sleeping, uh, if my math is right. I'm not going to do the math again, but my math was something like 12 hours of sleep. So I was kind of catching up. You hear that from other people, like, oh, I had to sleep in because I was I was wrecked because I had, you know, weekend partying or whatever the heck, so people get their sleep. Um, and I did it because uh, I was... I. I know that some of that was medically induced, but um, it was that's one way to really, really catch up in your sleep. I would not recommend taking anything to help you sleep if unless it's something really serious. Like if you're traveling because you've got some important thing for business, that's that would be an excuse to to drop something to, to as long as you know. I wouldn't even take like a NyQuil or whatever the heck to modify sleep. But there are people that 
make sure they do something or other to sleep on the plane or whatever, to reset themselves to be appropriate for wherever they land. I get that, but there's a really, really serious problem in the world um, where people are taking things like that to modify their sleep cycle. And there are addictions involved with stuff like that. Um, so it is, it is really not recommended. So what I did, I really have to be careful. That's partly why I only have so many pills and why I'll, I will talk at length about this experience with, uh, with that doctor. But I, I suspect that I needed to do that. I had that weird sleeping thing because I had the brutal dehydrated headache from a couple of days previous. And that was just, you know, sleep. Um, I don't know. I, so I just woke up and I woke up at about 12 or so. And so I'm not going to know if my sleeping is normal until tonight. I think it will be as long as I maybe do a little bit of physical stuff. Maybe what I'll do is I'll go out and garden in the heat before it gets too late and then come in and shower. Uh, shower before bed, not, not immediately before because you want to be really dry because you don't want to be muggy when you're going into bed. But having a shower an hour or so, having some warm milk or something like that for the tryptophan that's in milk, uh, once you heat it, um, and a shower a couple like an hour or so before bed, uh, really really helps sleep. Um, uh, how old are you, Minion? Do you want to say? You're a young old man. <laughs> you there? <laughs> this would help if I didn't mute myself on both places. <laughs> that speaks to reply later. Um, actually, we're gonna have to talk about yourself. 20, if you want to. Twenty-nine. You had to do math, didn't you? <laughs> well, it's exactly the same thing I tell everybody. I don't bother no. to remember my age, and I know it's something yeah. laughable and something kind of silly, but. Yeah, I, I know like, how that is. I mean, I gave up counting after the first few centuries, so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty old. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, uh, um, that's the, an adult, even an adult. But, for, uh, well, yes and no. People consider, depending where you are, if you're, I'm assuming in North America, uh, Canada, 19 is the limit for every. There's the Last limit for everything. Well, in the states, United States, it's wow. to drink alcohol. You, it's twenty-one. Really? Yeah. That's why I keep making fun <laughs> of my friends in the states. My God, that's so weird. Twenty-one to drink alcohol, state. but you can buy smokes and sign up and sign up and die for your nation at the age of nineteen. Well, uh, it's legal for you to gamble, right? You know that I think it's Russia is the drinking ages. Non-existent, or it's something really young, like twelve. Well, uh, most places not... in Europe, it's fourteen. So, I, and this is one of the weird problems in life: is we tend to tie the concept of adulthood to a legal legal limitation. Like we play pretend that a that a human being is capable of being an informed, giving informed consent for a vote at a certain age, which which is like, that's supposed to be the maximum age where, where almost everybody is, is perfectly capable of being an informed voter. But we know that's not true. And it's the same thing. We might give a person uh, the ability to have a driver's license, although because it takes time, this is not true, at like 16. 
or whatever, but that doesn't mean that all people behind the wheel at that age will actually be competent slash safe. And, it's, and, and the thing is, we can cite all of those basic rules. Like we can say uh, age of consent and we can say alcohol or tobacco or gambling or firearms or the vote, and we can call that adulthood. And that's fine. And that, that's, that's objective, at least. Um, I More and more people in my jaded old generation are saying that adulthood is somewhere after post-secondary education. I'm pushing for three years after getting a, getting a career. Now, and that means that that's not actually possible right now. So there are going to be people who are 25 who technically aren't adults in that definition. Now, I, I call a person 18 years and one day for the hangover an adult. I'm fine with that. Like, but somewhere in me knows that that is a different sort of person than somebody after, somebody who's recovered from university, somebody who is the, the despair of being in debt has finally started sinking in and they start looking at the world a different way with the fads of being a, a youthful, motivated, I'm going to change the world. When they finally realize that's a lie that's been fed to them when they might be looking at a decent long-term relationship, like like really for the first time, because university usually shatters all a person's previous relationships, things are kind of short and experimental, which is fine. Maybe when, when a person starts thinking about having a family, which is like 25 is pretty late actually, and that's an arbitrary number. If a person goes from high school into a career, give them a few years to settle down, and you know they could be an adult in that sense by 21 something like that and that's just because our i i maintain that our culture is a little bit um i don't i don't know how to put it we are very very we're very first world we're very comforting we're very freeing there's a lot of choice not that not the civilization gives choices necessarily but we have a lot of the the difficulties of being a human kind of pulled away. We've been successful as a civilization. And one of the main metrics of success would be eliminating concepts like poverty or hunger or homelessness. or And we're spectacular at it. We're maybe a little bit guilty because we're not doing it well enough because it should be, we should have zero homeless. Like for even if a person chooses to be homeless, there should be some category where that person is allowed to say, you know, I choose. Uh, there should be no like crazy people who are homeless because of that. There should be no poverty. Like we don't have any of those. We're not pushing for that. It's just accidental that we're so successful that um, these things are pretty are minimized compared to what we used to have without this system. So when people say, oh, throw it all away we should try this it's like yeah well we've had kings before installing a new one's not going to help i mean canada had a queen back in actually i'm pretty sure canada has never had a queen and i'll also i'm not going to interrupt i think it was so so just to i'm not going to linger on politics because that's not we're about not what we're about because uh, that can get a little edgy and that can get a little little upsetting. But I'm going to talk about early Canadian history. Uh, I want to talk about the um, concept of adulthood now. Because it 
No. Um. I'm not actually seeing. Oh, here we go. So, okay, I'll switch to your stuff for a sec. So, Mr. Popup says the concept of adulthood depend of a lot of parameter. Uh, when they was night, a 15 years old person was considered as an adult because they was dying sooner between 20 and 40 years old. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, if a person is subject to conscription then the age of conscription, I would absolutely call that person an adult. If if you've got a country where it is possible to pull a person who's 12 into the military, whether or not that's done, you, you declare that person, you give that person a vote as a start. That's where the vote came from for the United States. And that is where the vote came from for Canada too. In World War One, we had conscription and uh, and that was, that was, and we did it, we did it. It happened. Canada participated in World War One, even though that was in uh, Europe. And when World War Two came around, the government government went and we and, and there was such a very serious problem because Canada itself, there are laws in place that require us to go to war if Britain goes to war. That's how Canada entered into World War Two. We didn't do it by choice. That'd be be nice, like we would have, right? But we were forced to the day of. And uh, there was a problem of us declaring, cons- like doing that, of, of pulling people by force into the military. And uh, we ended up not doing it, but it was a very serious, um, polit- it, wasn't, it wasn't debated, there wasn't, but it was, a, it was a serious political stress where people were like, well, we kind of can't, like, let's hope we don't have to do that. Because if Canada, if we had like, if Japan successfully attacked the United States and devastated their West Coast, which was very close to happening, and they came for Canada and Canada had to, to do conscription, there would be some serious civil problems for, for that. Um, so thankfully it didn't come to that. So, so I mean, that that's absolutely an age of consent. And um, not very many Canadians speak French, by the way. So, yeah, so... Calling somebody, be, yeah, <laughs> if you're if you're gonna die for for the for other people really, which is dying for your country, um, calling somebody an adult is the least you can do, and that is again that's where the vote really really comes from. That's where it comes from originally from Br- the British idea of having the vote. So so you asked. So we got another question here about us speaking French. So I'm from Ontario, and Ontario is the largest population uh, of the Canadians in that province. And right next door to us is Quebec, and they have French as their primary language. They, the French, France, French, the the French, French, originally colonized. They were basically here first. They were most successful, and the British came. And we basically had a war in Canada. And uh, <laughs> kind of due to some trickery, the British ended up winning. But the problem was, quote unquote problem, was British weren't the largest population in Canada. So that, so this is pre-Canada. And so the Brit- there was the problem of the victors in that conflict were the minority. And they had a lot of power over a majority. So the compromise was the French were allowed to be French and to have their own space, but they weren't to be a country. 
They weren't to be a Fr French colony. They were to be their own people, but as subjects under British rule. And the British had a lot of experience with imperialism, very, very successful at it. And the British, for various reasons in various places, chose to withdraw its colonizing, uh, basically setting up strong relations with those places, but not under the duress of having colonies. So they pulled out of India, out of Australia, New Zealand, they pulled out of Canada. And, um, and this was, it sounds really weird, but the, all of those countries ended up forming their own relations with one another. So we're actually part of a, uh, oh man, I can't, I can't remember the name of it, but Canada's on exceptionally friendly terms with the former colonies because of this previous relationship. Anyhow, um, so with Quebec, we kind of left them as is, and they metastasized their own rules for uh, maintaining their culture going forward. So they were, they, they were and are still very, very concerned about staying French. Now, they are different from France French yeah, by a they lot. they shunned by France French. Well, that's the thing. They, now have, they ha now have nuances in their language that have separated. So we can say things like Spanish, but S Spanish Spain is different from Spanish Mexico is different from the Spanish in Brazil. Like Spanish Brazil is so different that it actually has its own language code in. So in the the iso in the standards of recognizing languages it is that different um there might be mutual intelligibility like so quebecois is not a language we would call it french we might call it quebecois french or something like that but it's not different enough to france french so they are you you could say that they're fairly nationalistic fairly but that's only to have some cultural separation from canada so the British had no opportunity to just like kick those people out of the territory they were they were thinking they were they were taking, or commit genocide because that was really kind of not possible, not feasible. Actually, that and culturally that wouldn't have happened anyway. So the British aren't like that, and there was no real ability for the British to just like take over so well as to educate the next generations into being British as opposed to being French. So they let them sit. Now, the relationship grew cordial enough that it was an official second language. It was recognized as one. So the government has all of its documentation and communication is always available in English and French. And it's not a distant second place or anything. It, 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 they, there will be recorded messages and stuff, and it'll be English first and then French second. It's not anything weird. So I ended up being taught French in school, like a lot of people. Um, but it, and it was, it was not that serious. It was like a full course, which was alongside other courses. But um, I never really learned it, learned it. So a lot of people are like that too. Oh, Brazilian is Portuguese. Oh, I'm so sorry. You are right. Um, and uh, so... So a lot of Canadians have, quote unquote, been taught French, but not only do we, because the education system is pretty terrible at teaching language, and uh, we don't use it in regular life. It's like learning math. 
it, you can learn all the math you want, but unless you go into it as your hobby or your job, it's gone. It's not used for anything. You'll pick up a calculator. Like, I'll, I'll cut and paste into Google Translate rather than learn French to, to do anything with it. And I don't have any hobbies that have it. So unless a person has ties to family or something like that, they're, or you're somehow they're just dropping in there. Sorry? Or if you're somehow just decide to rent, just drop in there and well, get immersed. I mean, to be fair, um, French girls are hot. So there is All a girls control. are hot. <laughs> I, went to, I went to Quebec, Quebec for a while when I was, you know, I can't even remember, but it was with classmates. And like my heart still hurts, man. I swear. It depends where you go. Like wherever you go, oh, it, you find the place attractive. Oh, you find the place attractive. It's yeah. Well, that's that's the thing. I mean, that's kind of the nature of women is they are attracted to men. That's I mean, it's it's biology, I guess. But there was a a good strong impression, and it's it's always nice to hang on to a positive impression like that, so you can think well of of other people and that's why i think a lot of i think that there should be nobody on earth that is monolingual i think that's a really difficult thing that somebody's missing out a brain is wired a little different once you get another language in there and there's also some cultural i don't know i can't call it cultural baggage but there really is cultural baggage tied to a language and you do end up learning a little bit about the culture. Usually it's just because it's it's interesting. Um, it's interesting to learn about the, the culture more or less native to, to a language. So, I, and I think that's the thing that really impresses a lot of people you in Canada. The tones when, and um, styles of how language is spoken. Well, that, I mean, so do you know that English is backwards compared to other languages? Like all other languages? You mean how English is very, very confusing? No, no. English is actually probably, maybe even almost certainly the easiest language on earth to learn. Even though people that know multiple languages, they'll say that English is still hard. They're, they're wrong. English is really blunt. It's really easy to be bad at speaking English. Right? And it's okay for a native English speaker to hear somebody who doesn't speak English well or write English well, it, it, it doesn't offend us at all. And it doesn't really bother us at all because so many people don't like that. That's why we have ridiculous multicultural civilizations that are technically supposed to be primarily English. And we just got everybody else. We don't, we don't care. <laughs> I mean, there's different variations of caring, right? But in terms of language, eh, whatever. <laughs> Canada is a little funny because not only are we we're very multicultural. We weren't founded that way. We were founded very British and then very European. Um, by law, we had very strict standards for that. And uh, but we, I mean, we got better slash we got different. So Canada technically only has a very handful of accents, even though it's one of the largest countries on earth. We don't have a lot of people here, and this, we all even sound the same. Right? So I've been around the country a little bit, and I, there's one standard accent, there's a French accent, there's a native accent, there's like a wacky northern Alberta accent. <laughs> That's Those are the guys that say A a lot. 
uh, and there's East Coast, who also say A a lot. There's I'm a lot of Irish Indians out there. Sorry? No, I don't. No, I didn't. And I lived in Alberta for a year, but I've never encountered the A. But then yeah, again, I was a child. Yeah, that it's in like northern Alberta. Um, Alberta. <laughs> so. And then there's um, the Eastern accent. Yeah, yeah, and like you can really name. tell they're from the East Coast hmm. somewhere, right? So, and we have a bunch of separate provinces out there. So, all the little island provinces. And uh, so they, they absolutely talk funny, and that's probably because uh, Quebec is in the way. So you have our, our old kingdom is Ontario, and then to the east is Quebec, and then to the east of them are the Atlantic provinces, and they all speak very differently, probably because the French are in the way. <laughs> so, so we didn't have a lot of population that would migrate back and forth through Quebec, just because people that go to Quebec become like that. We have... Uh, what are they called? Anglo something or other? I can't remember the term. Anglophones? I but that's language. So we have native English speakers that happen to live in Quebec. That, And it's really weird. It's like a, a sub-subculture. They're English speakers, but they're like Quebecois English speakers. It's very strange. But that separation means they, they, they have an accent. So there's no, like the United States has a billion accents. And they're like city... Like Boston has an accent, and you go down Louisiana has an accent. Entire statewide accents with regions that have accents. We don't we don't have that in Canada. <laughs> so when we hear somebody with an accent, you'd think it, it would be noticeable, and it we I won't even notice if somebody has an accent unless I think about it, because even when somebody like goofs a word or a phrase or something. It doesn't, I don't know, it gets translated automatically in my head. Um, but I think part of that is the nature of English, was, which is what I wanted to talk about earlier. So English is backwards, and I mean that objectively. Not like English is a backwards language, which is like, backwards is a term that could be used for people living in the woods somewhere, they draw their water from a well. You say they live backwards, which is insulting. But for for... English. English is backwards in that its grammar structure is literally backwards from the way other languages speak. It's very, very strange. And because of this, it's weird. Because of this, you can actually tell jokes better in English. <laughs> I maintain that you can, because we can have punchlines wherever the heck we want in, in, our in our sentence structure. But everybody from other languages, that's the one thing that's really weird about English. Everything else, you know, you can just goof it up. It doesn't matter. But because of this weird word order that we have in English, if you mess it up, which is if you do word order a little bit wrong from another language um, and you say something and you don't translate it well, um, we, we won't notice because English is, you're allowed to say things in opposite, op, in, in like reverse order. So I can say that, um, if I said something like I went down to the store versus saying something like, um, wow, I can't even do it because I'm so native English speaking. I'm not, no, I'm not going to try. Um, but on that note, technically, nobody really knows where English came from. It just kind of happened. And English is a very, very young language. So we can map out a lot of the languages through Europe. It obviously has certain 
ancestries. But there, and I read a book on this, and it's actually the, the linguistics guys in English are like, it's, it's one of those heated debates that nerds have. And they're trying to figure out where the heck English came from, where its direct roots are. And we can find that there are a lot of words that English just steals from. Like, we don't care. We have Latin, like literally cut and paste Latin in our language. We have, because it's in our legal language for sure. We have old Greek still, including a lot of uh, stuff through Romans. We've got references to, um, uh, we've got stuff that we'll steal from German, because German is a, a really good language of conveying uh, an idea or a phrase right out into a word. It's messed up. I can, I have to look it up. German has a word that translates to English as, um, I know you're, I know you're right, but you're still a jerk. They have a word for that. So, and, and if I were to learn that word, I would just use that like everything else. And we've got a couple that are kind of picking up, that we're kind of picking up on. Um, that's the thing that I love about English. And that's maybe what uh, English as a second language learners will probably hate the most. It's because we keep doing that. Um, Iceland has issues with language. And there's some people that are really, really angry about stealing words for concepts that didn't exist in early Icelandic language formation. So things like internet, they would have to make a word that sounds very Icelandic to have that if they wanted to maintain a, a reasonably consistent language. They care about that because they've got like a quarter of a million citizens, like natives, natives. And um, but English just English don't care at all. Uh, the citizens do not care. The users do not care. And we love stealing like stealing words. Um, and the backwards English language, I lost my train of thought, but the backwards English language thing, it is only known to exist in like one certainly now dead um, Viking type language. And so the, the best working theory of how English formed was uh, the, the breed of Vikings that went rampaging across Western Europe was just completely uncontested. They were superior to absolutely anything that they meant, anything. And they ended up walking through everybody everywhere. And at some point they vanished, right? So that doesn't happen. <laughs> so what must have happened is they conquered a region and, and decided that these have pretty women and good food and they stayed. But when you have, so they slaughtered all the men because that's what you do. So they won the wars and they, they went in, they, they settled and they had wives or their equivalent who didn't know their language and, and vice versa. So what ended up happening is when that situation happens, you, you like point it, you point at one and you say apple and they point at it and they say no, palm de terre, whatever, right? And you, you kind of map some stuff over, over. So English stole a bunch of words, but they, the men that took over maintained their sentence structure. And so that's what, what these, this one author of this one book was saying, is that the, the sentence structure from the, that Viking, which is the only known, uh, known language that has that sentence structure, came over 
and maintain the sentence structure, but stole all the words until it was until their language went extinct because their people did. But that uh, sentence structure stayed with the language of the of the entire region because they basically and then English was born. And the other thing that's interesting about English is English has uh, a, a written form that is the same as the spoken form, more or less. We're changing now. And that's actually kind of new. That's kind of weird because other countries kind of have a formalized, strange written form. And they might even have like a different, like a really loose written form and a really legalese written form. And English just has this, like, if you write the same way you speak, that's, that's fine. And we're slowly migrating out into a more formal kind of writing and a less formal. And I write in my, in my spare time and I write in a very, nobody will notice it because of the weird thing about English being, you can speak an accent, right? I can write a certain way and people won't notice it. Hey, anybody who's going back this through this old stuff, if I ever get famous, this is, this is one of the reasons why I write a certain way. I actually write in spoken English for various reasons, and most people will never notice that. And it's, uh, it's one of the things that helps me have a consistent style in my writing. So it's something that's uniquely me. Um, at any rate, so that was diverging completely, which I'm, I'm glad we have somebody here to help us. Oh, we also we should have their YouTube channel posted somewhere <laughs> so you can see the old episodes. So I uh why don't we talk about okay, so I actually got sent this as a message days like episodes ago, but I totally forgot to bring it up more than once. So I'm so sorry. Um and the question was, uh, how do you meditate? And that's Minion, I know you don't meditate at all. It's kind of funny. But, I tried uh, once. <laughs> you tried once. I tried that yeah. one day, and then it just... I tried for five minutes, and then got affected by the the temperature around me. Okay. So I sat there for maybe... I want to say it could be five minutes, but it might have been shorter. I just sat there, <laughs> turned my brain off, tried to, didn't work, <laughs> so I just gave up and took a nap. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, That sounds about right for you for any task. It's like... Yeah, I tried doing this for five minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds like you. Um, so that question is a little weird because how do you meditate can be can be answered in two different ways. It's like uh, how can she learn to meditate, and how can how do I meditate? And so I guess the start is um, I don't meditate. I tried once. I was successful. I don't want to do it. It's not my thing. Um, it's a, there is, there is a way of maintaining a momentum of the tone of your, what's called mind or your thinking, and that tone can be brought forward. And so just like in the morning lark concept, it's possible to maintain a certain mindset from a very well-rested mind. And wake up with it and have no obligations until later in the day and that 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 mood from sleeping that well recovered and now uh unworried mind can be maintained through the morning until your obligations start hitting you so you have an hour before going to work right so you don't feel the uh 
you have a second alarm clock and you don't feel the oppression of getting to work for an hour. And so you have a bit more time for your, your rested mind. And it's possible to take that mindset and carry it forward into, let's say, work or through stress. And if it's possible to carry that forward, you just practice every single day. Because every single day that you're a morning lark is yet one more opportunity to experience that and to try. You kind of try by not trying to keep that. So I don't sit as such and try. Because there are meditative practices where you're like visualizing a, um, a lotus blossom or something like this. And you're, you're sitting a certain way and you're... you're your hands are folded, but your your thumbs are touching one another, are leaning against one another. And if you start dozing off, your thumbs will slip, and that's that will wake you up, or that will snap you out of the near unconsciousness, and just pause and you try again. That's why you have you, you'll see monks in a certain position. That's why they do it. And uh, it, there are practices, and I would recommend other people try it. And try to take it seriously. Um, I think the equivalent that I have is when I get up in the morning, I don't get out of bed right away. And a lot of people are like that. They might have an alarm and you hit the snooze, right? That's one way. And some people, uh, so being a morning lark, I don't even have to have an alarm clock to wake up. I just make sure that I go to bed early enough. I'll have an alarm clock for my obligations because I don't miss those. But I will, if you've got like nine hours, you're probably not going to be asleep for nine hours. So when I kind of wake up, I don't, when I come to consciousness, I don't wake up and get out of bed right away. I'll sit there uh, like cross-legged and make, like, it doesn't matter. You can pull up your sheets and have them like a robe and something like that and just be like a child about it. But you just sit, sit in bed and don't get out of bed. And that gives you a moment to like recover of from being asleep that lets you kind of like it's a weird intermediate stage before getting up and being a person again um and if you if you just sit there and let yourself dry off a little bit because you tend to be a little sweaty i mean i certainly am but a lot of people have have just you perspire all the time a little bit right just a tiny bit and you do that in bed, but the, it can't go anywhere. So your your sheet with that environment gets kind of muggy, and you get kind of muggy. And but so you can get out of bed and just sit there for a while, and until you kind of dry off a bit, and then you, well, maybe you go have a shower right away. Maybe you do other stuff. Uh, if you're a morning lark, you get lots of choices. So I will often sit in bed for a while, as opposed to lying in bed for a while before you're like oh i guess i have to be an adult like you could so i sit for a while and then i'll i'll get up so that would be the closest to meditation and that's something that i would recommend um that is it's a zero effort thing what happens to your brain happens to your brain i don't really care um that sitting in bed is the moment that i would suggest for doing the review of uh a journal which is something i've talked personally about and my my own youtube channels uh, which i'll probably i'll probably repeat here at some point but if you make a journal every day that when you first wake up that's an interesting opportunity for you to read yesterday and last week uh, and last month 
if you keep them keep your journal for long enough. Um, and that's a, an interesting way of having your past selves motivate you to help get you up, kick you out, tell you what you should be doing today. Like what would what are the accomplishes accomplishments that you made yesterday that you can build on today? And so it's and it's a pretty straightforward bit of self-motivation to do that. So that's what I would suggest for somebody else to to pursue. I'll talk about the journal thing. And the journal thing is probably going to be the the few minutes of meditation equivalent without me telling you to sit cross-legged and hum or something like that. Um, but pursuing meditation, I think, is something that everybody needs to do, uh, at least to eliminate stress of some sort, right? Okay, I'm back for legal seats this time. I'm sorry about that echoing mic. I'm good. Okay, there we go. Wow. Now you so realize I it? No, I had a feedback loop going because last night I had a Windows update. And I've got, I'm supposed to have a hard mute built into this microphone. It was one of the, it wasn't a selling point because I didn't know, but it was a nuisance on my previous microphone that I'd have a mute button. But all it was was a request that Windows would mute the microphone. It didn't actually mute the microphone. <laughs> and so I was impressed by this one. It's a, it's a later generation from the same brand. And I, I was impressed by this one because I could mute it and and Windows didn't know. Windows just stopped seeing audio from the device. So I like that. But now apparently, the I don't know what's going on, but the mute button no longer works. So it may be a Discord thing somehow. So maybe the, the internal software, whatever the heck, or Windows is honoring that button better and i just maybe thought wrong but it looks like discord when it's set up for push to mute will also just stop respecting that button and that that absolutely like crossed my heart that's new since last show yes. last show i was able to press the button on my mic and have it work because he thought it like, was me well and it's not I mean, nowadays I, I thought it was muted but it's not the last time Last time it really, really for realsies was because I mean I've I've checked my sound control panel and all this kind of stuff. I'm not incompetent anymore. I just don't really care, but I still do look into these things. At any rate, at any rate, um, I guess while I'm on the topic of the mic, last night, and maybe it's related. The last night I was playing a video game and I played I. Tr like you party randomly with other people in games. And uh, if you got the option of making somebody, so this is Heroes of the Storm. It's a, it's a hot type game. It's a MOBA. And uh, it has a feature. Well, what it does is it will give you a bonus, an experience bonus for playing if you play with friends. So what the culture of the game is, is when you join a random party, it's assembled for you when you're about to play a game. When you when you're done, what I do is I just re-invite the people that I played with earlier. And if I do, we'll friend each other just because. Not because we're friends, just because we all get a bonus. So it happens very frequently. And there's like a an X number of limit of the number of people you can friend. So, I mean, often there's a bit of a culture of if you haven't been on for long enough and 
this kind of stuff, you get pulled, get removed. But we have this this way of just making friends really easily. And I collect people who talk. And so I'll, I'll flag them as being somebody who talks. So I gather groups and I'm, I'm well enough known that they will try to get into a group with me and stuff. And so we talk, we, t- we all talk. And the other, like literally yesterday I was speaking with somebody. He, he never stops talking. It's impressive. He, okay. So that's weird for me to say, but he never stops talking. He's, he talks like a streamer because he's constantly talking about the game. Like always. And he was called on it. And I don't think he is a streamer, but he really should be. And the next time I next time I play with him, I'm actually gonna bring it up, even if I have to help him become one. But because he's he's constantly talking about the strategies and all it's impressive. It's really impressive. And he was saying that I sounded like I was talking through a tunnel, which is very strange. So I tried all kinds of stuff. You know, disconnecting my mic and making sure it isn't my webcam microphone. You actually happened. do sound like you're talking in a tunnel now. Right now? Yes. What the? <laughs> really? No. Yep. My feelings. Did that just start happening? Uh. Like, uh. What? You want Discord from? You want to disconnect from Discord and try again? I don't think that'll help. I do, because Discord often has these weird kinds of issues. Okay, I guess we can try it. I do sound like I'm in a little bit of a tunnel. I don't... I mean, <laughs> I don't know what to do. We're not supposed to be troubleshooting in the middle of the stream. That's rather weird. You literally just started happening? More or less. Okay, that doesn't help me. So that, that's a yes. Okay, so I don't know what I can do that's any different. I mean, I'll, I'll like close all my other applications and I'll like, I, here, oops, maybe this will help. Let's try this. You make my computer not think so hard. Close all my other applications. It might be eating bandwidth. Okay. Now, now it is, now it should be a lot nicer. And I'm gonna, we're gonna continue, even though I might sound uh, not as good as I ought to. The content of my character will still be good. <laughs> so he thinks. Okay, well, we'll have to troubleshoot this a little bit better in the future. But I'm gonna let's press on because I got more stuff I should be talking about. So uh, yeah, here's the storm cursed me apparently. So if I ever talk about it, it's gonna make the audio quality go bad. So I'll, I'll troubleshoot it. I'll troubleshoot. It. I'll figure it out. Um, I did want to bring that up in segment three. Um, audio quality. I'll bring up again differently. So uh, I had talked about in the previous couple of shows about my my brand new phone, and I don't want to sound like a fourteen year old doing um, room tours and shopping halls like birthday halls or anything like that. Not any kind of these outfit of the week thing. But uh, so I don't really need to rag on about my phone as, well, hey, look at me, I got a phone, because it's really not that aggressive. But I am going through um, apps and stuff like that. So I, I think that it's useful to talk about because phones are unfortunately a part of our lives now. So I've, I've been playing with this. And what I mentioned last show was the problem of Bluetooth. 
and that that most of the problems in computing are software now. They're not hardware. And I that is still true. I'm not going to argue against that. So I had talked about how Bluetooth had a lag for speaking. And I'm not the only one that's talked about this, and other people have complained about this in the past. Uh, people that are experts have brought this up as, as a to highlight the problem. And that is that it's a software problem that causes this lag, this inefficient software. And I got new a new headset that came in, and it came in early because Amazon loves me, which is annoying because I can't plan for it because I don't and I don't like that because I don't like people knocking on my door when I'm not expecting someone. See last show, but I was playing package. with these headphones. Sorry, you got package. Yeah, I mean that's I mean that's at least a pleasant way to get interrupted. But imagine the days that I'm trying to sleep in or something like that, or I'm trying to have a nap. What I do get a package, that, that that's especially annoying. Um, but yeah, okay, it's fine. So I got this package. I like it. Great. So I tried these headphones out, and I confirmed that I do not have the, the lip syncing problem from, from Bluetooth lag. And that's that's wonderful, but I wasn't sure if that was my new headset, my new phone, or Android. So what I did is I ran a test. And I, I guess I could run one more test with my old phone. But my new headphones have no lag, so there's no lip syncing. And I checked with my old Bluetooth headphones, and they also do not have a lag. So I know it's not the hardware in the headset. Um, I could try with my old phone and new my old phone and new headphones. And if they also if they still have the lag because of the old phone, then it's either the hardware of the old phone. Or it's Android 10. As far as I can tell, it's probably Android 10. What I might do is I might pass these off to Minion or to some friend and ask them to do a, a lip sync test and see if see if the headset is is just good. If right, and try to figure out where this is coming from. But it's really nice to have that lag solved because now theoretically I could watch TV or videos or something like that. And it wouldn't be, I, I just don't think it would be possible at all if you've got even the slightest audio lag. So, so it was nice getting these headphones. And, and as I've said, this is not top of the line stuff. I don't like the idea of top of the line stuff when it's something that can be snatched off my head. And that's one of the reasons why Google, Google Glass failed. What it was is a set of it's a, like wearable computers as glasses. Also, it's glasses, which if you've never worn glasses, you don't want to wear glasses. It's, it's not a good experience. And if you do wear glasses, then what would you get? Prescription Google, Google glasses? <laughs> like, huh? So it, it was a product that was destined to fail. Um, well, but... it, wasn't, it was a nifty idea. It worked for a bit. And prescription-wise, the way around it, you just got contacts. Well, yeah, I can't wear contacts because if anybody, including myself, touches my lashes, I'll freak out. So it's really Good quite lash. a challenge. So I need like a beautiful woman to help me with it. But or just you don't always have all your eyelashes. It, well, no, well, I mean, to to help hold my eyes open and and to make sure that I don't panic. So you know, being held by a pretty girl that helps, right? So I don't know. I think I'd be more. 
Uh, you sure you want a pretty girl to rem- to make you remember the experience of you freaking out of having your putting something foreign in your eye? No, I mean I don't. I don't in the first place, and and that's one of the things that helps. So, but that's not a thing. I can, I can, I can't guarantee that. So I can't do contacts. But I loved it the first time I got, I got contact lenses, and um, but I couldn't handle. I couldn't even take them out again. It was so hard. So I had to like wash them out with water. It was it was really not a pleasant experience. So never doing that. But I did get eye surgery. It wore off, but I liked that. So yeah, I, not that I really want to talk about my eyes. I don't mind doing that. Um, so these headphones, um, they're nice. I mean, they're not. It's but it's not top of the line technology, even for its um, model. There's a model that replaces it. So it's not even cutting edge from that manufacturer. So I know that the Bluetooth thing is not like, you don't need super expensive uh, headphones. So if anybody tries to sell you a set of headphones and says, oh, this is this is faster, it's better synchronized, they're lying. They're lying because it, it's cheap, cheap technology. Like I said before, Bluetooth is Bluetooth is Bluetooth. The technology, the hardware is good. It is solid. It is very good stuff. Um, if you want the quality difference, if you want to think in terms of hardware, you're thinking in terms of, of how big a liar they are for range or for how it deals with interference, I can wear these headphones and I can have the microwave running. So that is that is a hardware thing. That is solid hardware. So I do have that. So I know it better. But software-wise, it's what's dealing with the, the lip-syncing problem, I believe. Um, but I said I, I didn't like the idea i wouldn't want to make these top of the line because i don't like the idea of something being snatched uh, it's not really a thing it's not really a thing in canada um but uh and that's why i think google glass didn't really pick up because if it's a thousand dollar thing that can be taken off your face real quick then it's not going to be popular in right so headphones these actually have a band that connects the left and right which i some part of me like I didn't want that. I do want to have two separate floating buds in my head, but these actually have over-the-ear uh, little hooks, which I really like. So that was why I sent back a previous pair. You know, you know these things will always fall out of your head because they're never they never fit just right, and they never fit just right when you're moving around in different ways. So if you're, they always picture a jogger running with these headphones, but realistically speaking, that's just not. It doesn't work because you're constantly poking at them to get them back in there. And you can get new, like what I or what I had with a previous set of headphones is uh, flanges. So you know how an arrowhead has the shaft and the little spikes coming back. And so it's shaped like that, and that's what goes into your ear. But it's got multiple of those little spikes coming back. So it's got like so. Traditionally, what you'd have is you'd have a shaft with a little rubber. Um, I can I can show this better than I can explain it. So, like a, a, a thin, flexible rubber half circle on t- on top of that post, and that's got what gets put into your ear. It's like that, only it has three of them, and they're all slightly different, slightly smaller sizes. So it goes into your ear. So it's like every size of these headphones all put together. So it will fit into your ear 
the best way it can. And they can come in multiple sizes. But um, so that is what I would like, but I can't get more. And I've got some that I ordered, uh, but not for this. They're for my old headphones that I don't have anymore. And uh, I'd love, but they wouldn't fit on this particular set of headphones because the posts are too wide, which is a little unfortunate. But um, so these fit, but these fit only because they have the over the ear hook. So they'll actually be very comfortable. The nuisance was discovering, okay, I'm, I'm making, I hate a lot of people because maybe I'm just sensitive, but I can't stand bass at all. I, I, it's awful. But enough people do like it that they start selling these headphones with like extra bass boost, stuff like that, um, which would be fine if it was a button that I could turn off. But, and it usually is a selling point. So I will just look at the store page for a product. And if it says it's got something like that, if it starts upselling, you know, increased base, I just won't buy it. And that's fine if that's a product that's successful for other people. I just won't buy it. That wasn't advertised on these headphones, but it is true for these headphones. So I actually had to find an equalizer app for, because I use these headphones um, only really, only for my phone. And so I, I listened to a lot of music. And so I had to find an app for Android. And I was really worried because my video player and my web browser didn't, didn't have equalizer functionality, which, you know, I mean, I, I can't fault them for that. That's fine. My, my music player did, and apparently that's unusual. So what I, what I ended up doing, and I'm glad I could, is I did find an app that's free, ad-free, and that entire thing that will modify my equalizer. It's, no, it's got some presets, and it's not fancy at all. It requires zero permissions, and it just works. Thankfully, I found that, and it will modify the sound so that in a web browser or in a standalone media player or something like that, it will also change the audio for those. And I literally just take that one range of audio and slide it all the way down. It's, it's like negative however many decibels, and it makes it normal for me. So I do have funny ears for bass, um, but I also have bad taste. I hate having my music modified like that to, to enhance bass at all. So this could have been a disaster that would make me return these headphones, um, which I would have because they were expensive enough to, to justify returning. Um, but I'm really glad I get to keep them. So it's, it's nice. So I got those. And they're nice. Um, I'm still a little bit annoyed at having a band connecting the two around my head. You'd think they would look kind of funny dangling under my chin. So who knows? Who knows? Also, um, while I'm talking about my phone, I talked about the NFC thing at the back of the, the dimple and how I was annoyed that if I press a button, it would beep really loudly. Whenever NFC-related stuff happened, it would beep. Um, that went away. I'm not really sure what setting I changed. It just went away. Um, I kind of like it when my, my devices have quirks like that. Um, it gives them personality. I'm just, it's a little strange. I did fiddle with notification settings, so there must be something in there that, that did it, because now regular notifications don't make any sound either, which is exactly what I want. 
I don't want my phone to bother me until I pick it up and I'm in phone mode. Uh, it can have an alarm. It can have calendar items and stuff like that that will notify me. Other than that, the phone does not rule my life. So I make sure that the phone can't interrupt anything else that I'm doing. I also have the Brave web browser on this thing. So technically it throws advertisements up. I get paid for that. But I'm now they're silent. <laughs> so they don't bother me. I just whenever I I uh like pick up the phone, I'll just dismiss all the ads. I don't make my 10 cents or whatever the heck. It adds up. And I'll keep it going on my old phone. So my old phone I'm not really using, but it does generate revenue. It won't pay for itself anytime soon, but it's still kind of cool. Um so the NFC on my old my current phone doesn't make the sound, but it does move. It moves with the vibration, which I kind of like. I might turn that off, but I don't know that I want to fiddle with notification settings at all. Um, just in case whatever magic happened uh, gets undone somehow. So, so yeah, on to something else. Um, I may as well quickly talk about, well, may as well slowly talk about my backyard. So, I'm because I'm it's, it's, uh, it's physical it's you know it's grounded in the real world so it's it's personal information technically so i'm not really so that's the side of things that makes me nervous about starting a back like a backyard a gardening type series so i might have to just audit the area and make sure and think about what stuff is kind of anonymous and just keep it that way so, and I don't mind talking about myself, just not my location. So my backyard, it needs a little bit of junk removal done because my, my neighbor's got some junk in the yard that I want to get removed. Um, and I don't want to have to call the city for it. So when that gets done, I think I can start filming. But the I suppose I won't film across the street with the house numbers and stuff. And I won't film anywhere where there's like a parking you know, there are driveways connected to the to the to the yard, so I need to make sure I'm not filming the license plates or even the cars at all. That's really inconvenient. It'd be nice to get all the cars removed that are nearby, but what can you do? That's what they do for movies. That's not what they do for backyard videos for YouTube. So I, I want to start that stuff now that I can figure out how to use this um, phone for filming. I'll probably regret not having enough storage space either on the phone or on my computer. Um, I figured some of that out, but that's one of the problems of, of being a creator is having to deal with the amount of data you've got and having to back it up. And this is actually, I mean, I bet that that problem has hit quite a lot of people, um, I, but I'm a tech guy first. I've been one for a long time since before videos were a thing. And um, so I think about these things first. So that'll be, um, that, that'll be annoying eventually. But uh, maybe it's good that I need to wait for the junk removal because um, I'm thinking about picking up a gimbal. A gimbal is a device made for stabilizing a video camera. Now, stabilization is it's built into some of the fancier phones now. Uh, usually what it, what's built into the software. And so the thing is, building it into the software, what has to happen is... So imagine that instead of the video filming everything literally, like as is, so you can imagine it filming a box, a rectangle, 
please don't film vertically. So if you imagine filming horizontally, you've got a, a rectangle that you're filming. And if you move your camera, if you, if you turn your camera by accident because your, your hand isn't perfect, right? First, if, you're, if, you're, if you want to make a stable shot with a camera, right, with a video camera, let's say, and you want to keep it stable, what you do is you put it up against uh, an object. You put your arm up against an object, or you put the phone up against an object, or against a block, like a wooden block or something like that. And the fact that you can put pressure um, like horizontally towards an object and not have to hold it with the weight of your, your hand, your hand's not going to have that natural shake. So you can actually film static uh, with a static position for your camera by placing it up against a, a tree, a fence, another person, like something that is a little more reliable than your shaky hand. But if you don't have that, you can, and you don't want to do software-wise, software-wise kind of crops in that rectangle and it deals with the, the rotation, the little hesitation of your camera by, by noticing the scene and by cropping and rotating the scene as it happens. And so what it does is it, is it just crops out the, because if you take your rectangle and you wiggle it around, it, it's really dumb because you have this wiggling rectangle. So what it does is it chops everything in further. So you can't see the little wiggling corners. So it kind of zooms in a little bit and it kind of sacrifices quality because of that. But if you don't want to do that, you can do what movie what movies have done, which is you have a physical device and that physical device can sense, can see rotation and it floats the objects that it's carrying. So hand cams, and there are these like body cam rigs where a, a person like the, the filmer will move as a human with a device strapped to them with the camera equipment in there. And they have used, it's a little different now, but they, they use big, heavy stuff. That's usually why it's on wheels. It's on a physical thing or it'll be on tracks or something like that. Now they can have on person mounted camera equipment. But that camera equipment has to stabilize for that movie. And it's a big problem. This was kind of like a shock mount that I probably messed with but when I bumped my desk just now. So it's kind of like a shock mount that will deal with the, the movement of a camera. And you can get a selfie gimbal. And the selfie gimbal, it's not as, it's, it can't be as good as the professional rigged kinds. They're big and heavy. But uh, it's a selfie stick where if you, uh, it will know if you tilt the, the camera. It, it's not like it has active sensors like, um, like noise, active noise removal. It's a, it's a microphone that gets rid of background sound by having additional microphones that listen and digitally it removes the sound before giving it to you. It's not, it's not like that. So it's not active sensors, but it is a physical balance mechanism that will, it's kind of like if you wanted an object to stay horizontal, you would put that object, you would float it in a cup of water and you could carry that cup of water fairly carefully and the water will stay level even if you tilt the cup, right? And the object will stay stable. A uh, gimbal is very much like that. And there's actually some rather first world inexpensive, but there's some inexpensive um, selfie sticks. And the one that I'm looking at and I'm not going to post a link to this because it's not an object that I'm going to recommend or buy necessarily. But uh, there's one. It'll also double as a tripod-mounted thing for your camera. 
So it's really cool because it's it's three axes. I don't know how to explain axes. So basically, it'll handle everything but the rather extreme problems with you uh, accidentally moving the camera left and right. It, it's not going to do anything about that, which is fine. That's kind of what you want. You know, so it would be kind of cool to have that on a tripod for me doing stuff in a yard. Often, if you've got like a remote control or something like that that changed the zoom, and some of these some of these gimbals, they're even like powered so that you can change the panning. And some of them are so good that you can change the panning um, physically. Like you would have physical motors in there that would move the camera left and right. Um, that would be dumb. That would be a waste of money, right? <laughs> I've never wasted money on something weird before. Never. That's not true. Okay, that's not true. So I like online stores a lot, and we're going to have to get used to them. But uh, so I just got introduced to another uh, online Chinese store. It's it's focused around stores in, I can't remember the province. It's, it's one region in China that's a very, very high tech space. And oh, there's a YouTube channel even that's, that's from with a guy that lives there. And he's a Western guy. I think he's American. And he's been living in China for a long, long time. And he does tech videos based on local Chinese tech. Um, and some of it's just the dumb, like, how cheap can I build a PC for? And stuff like that. Uh, but some of it is, is I mean, he, he cut open an actual iPhone to install a headphone jack. That was the coolest thing to see. Uh, <laughs> And he actually did it, and it actually works. Like, there's no excuse for Apple to, to pull it out. They were lying when they were talking about needing to save space and stuff like that. They were just lying. No way. Because he could do it. It was annoying to, like, shave off the, the jack and stuff like that, but he managed it. Um, why do I have a reference that says tools with a link to a video. Should I? Did I rickroll myself? I don't think I did. I wonder what this video is. What is this video? Ah, yes. Minion sent me a link to 12 programs I install on every PC. And uh, it is good. It has some stuff that I've never heard of. Um, yeah, there's just a few not... things in there that, I would, that I'm planning on installing soon. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look. I actually watched the video in full and paid attention. But I'll, I'll go back and, and watch it again and try the links and stuff. Um, I was really big on it in the past, but uh, I, it was one of my decisions to set that down as a hobby and to actually try to accomplish work in life rather than spending so much effort making my computer work. I mean, really, it does really bother me when all the software I use isn't good enough. But I've done all the research before, and I have improved software for, for all of the workflows for everything that I do. And I only do a limited amount of research when it has certain problems in mind. So it is nice to have somebody's recommendations for software to use. Um, I, am, I still am expert enough to, to be able to audit software and choose things. I mean, that, that skill is there because I'm going through and I'm auditing all of my phones from my, all my app, apps from my phone. And so 
my adventure has been to try to go through a whole lot of different programs and find um, find a decent text editor. And I haven't fully decided, but I, I'm looking at one and um, the big nuisance is I think it might be abandoned. I think it's it's in that weird like zone where the author is around, but not actually making significant updates. But the thing is, the software is is great. I'm going to approach the author and I'm going to ask for one change. And based on the feedback of the author is whether or not I'll actually use that software. So that, that's a good judge is if you have a very, if it's an open source project and you know how to find your own answers and you know how to ask and you're patient enough, it's a good way to find out if uh, a project is, is live and how responsive it is to, to ask for a feature request. Even if the answer is no, which it, it will be a lot uh, because you, well, usually what happens is somebody else will come along with your idea and ask before you, and that will be thought about and addressed probably before you get there unless it's a very new project that's opening up and the developer hasn't thought about the feature in mind. But if it's been alive and active and has users already, it is probably, the, the author has probably considered your idea before you had the idea, before you became a user. And so I'll have to look through and see if uh, somebody else made my suggestion or what. And based on that, I, I might use it. What's interesting about this uh, this program is it's it's really blunt and what i think i'll do is i'll leverage its uh its recent files feature to be able to act like a tabbed editor basically with that uh, i might see what the author thinks about being more explicit about editing that like build it, having the user able to build be able to build a a list of files to go through to tap through Yes, yes, Minion. I still want to have multiple files that I can refer to easily. But the other I'm looking at, which I didn't quite think about, is I think it's called Markor. Uh, and it has a feature that lets you open up additional text files, but you can choose to open them up as different windows. So different, they appear just like having different applications. I didn't know that was possible at all. I didn't think Android allowed that. But apparently this program figured out how to do it. And what that does, and I don't think I'll, I don't know that I care, is that lets me open up multiple notepads and then have them in a split screen, which there's going to be a time when that's really useful. I know that. So I'm thinking of just having that in my toolkit and, and maybe I'll use it one day. But it's, it's cool because I can actually write things in Markdown and. So what Markdown is, is, so there's something called a markup language. What a markup language is, it's a gateway, it's a translator between something that looks like English and fancier text. What we would do pre-internet is you'd have a, what you see is what you get, WYSIWYG editor, and you'd be able to like control U to underline and control I to italicize. But, and you can interact with things that way. But there was a time in the early internet where nobody really, like the software was immature again, somehow. It was a little dumb. 
And so editors like that didn't exist. So you'd 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 have text for describing stuff so that you could make something that rendered into something pretty through the internet. And so you have stuff like HTML. So if you usually something like control U to open up the brow the source for your browser, and you'll see the gobbledygook that developers developers will understand. Now that gobbledygook is way more complicated now than it used to be in like the early 2000s. Um, so, but there's this problem of how do you transform text into web pages? And a markup language acts like a gateway. What it does is it's a more English simplified version of stuff so that a regular person can write things that look like documents. And it's an, it, it's an engine that can translate that into HTML or into whatever web viewable stuff. And so Markur allows HTML, it will create something in one of the markup languages called Markdown. And there are things have settled, but there anybody could make their own little thing like this, where like maybe you want maybe your bullet pointed list would start with an asterisk. Markdown uses a dash or a hyphen. A so dash actually means something else if you're a writer. So it'll use hyphens on your keyboard, right? So you do hyphen, list, enter, hyphen, list, enter. And so it looks, looks like a list in English. And it would translate to uh, a UL, an unordered list in HTML with LI tags for everything. So it would, it would, and that's what gets rendered into a bulleted list with whatever graphical settings your browser uses. Anyhow, enough of the nerding out. Um, so yeah, so I, yeah, there's a lot of that nerdity in me with using software, but I'm trying to not do it anymore and instead actually use the tools that I have. I just, I try to optimize things in my 20% time, but I am trying to use more of my 80% time for actually getting stuff done. Um, yeah, so Minion, um, have you been building playlists for a separate playlist? So maintaining two playlists, one for just shows and one for just clips. Have you been doing that? No, I haven't. I these past okay. few days, I've been just been grinding out on the thing. Okay, so um, that you've got a to-do list. I am kind of writing this stuff down, but that's something definitely to do. And a third playlist, which can be public, it's fine, and it can even be a playlist, but it doesn't have to be. Um, you don't have to have it as YouTube videos, but you could download locally and have it presented like that. I don't know how you have OBS know, know about this stuff. All right, so you figure it out. But um, some playlist feature of having um, free-to-use or licensed-to-use um, music for breaks, to have music going for breaks. And that scene switcher can also switch off of Discord. So it forces a mute on my microphone, for example. So that would solve my new problem. So it would switch scenes into one that has the timer, the countdown, and one that does not include Discord in our case, or whatever other thing we might switch to in the future. And so that would automatically mute that music source. So I think that would help with that problem. Um, Related to that, oh, where's my brain? So there was something related to that. Oh, yeah. 
um, it's because it's possible. What I can do is I can set things up so that I am recording to my disk, my audio. And what that would do is that would let me have a pure uh, audio source, a perfect quality saved in wave format, or I'd probably save it in Slack or something like that, but saved in some um, perfect quality format. And you can do the same thing at your end. So you can have OBS not record anything to disk and use another piece of software, like use Audacity or something, to record to disk. So the streaming thing would work the exact same way, but you, you, you would use Audacity to record to disk. That way, I would have full quality me, and you would have full quality you. I could mix the, mix the two tracks together real easy, and we'd have flawless quality to work with, um, and that way it can be imported flawless quality into your video editing software and be uploaded with the minimum amount of translation necessary to to not the the term is transcode. So we wouldn't have to transcode too many times to get it to one of the hosting services. So for YouTube, it's got one standard for iTunes, it's got another standard. So we don't have to be picky too picky, but um, there becomes the option to be picky in the future. So we would have perfect audio quality source rather than me taking a video. So right now what we're doing is, is piping it through Discord, which I don't like. I'd love to replace it with something local, with, with something else. Um, we're doing that, and uh, that's being pulled into OBS Studio as an audio source. And that's being packaged into a video and it's being streamed to Twitch at the moment. Now it might be streamed into like, is it restream.io or whomever? And, and th that service would then cast it back out into Twitch and YouTube and whatever other services like DLive. Um, so right now we're not doing that. But we are, what, what's happening is it's sending it out to Twitch and it's recording it to disk. But the audio format is, I don't care about the video format, but the audio is being recorded as AAC. I'm taking that AAC and I'm unpacking it out to the WAV file, which is technically reducing quality because I can't edit AAC directly. And then taking that, exporting as WAV, you're taking it, you're importing it, and you're translating it out into whatever format it's using to get it to YouTube. So it's like it's losing quality going from AAC to Wave, and I'm editing it. Then it's losing quality going from Wave through whatever format you're using for YouTube, probably MP3. So it's not bad. It's not bad, but it is AAC being translated twice. So that uh, it's not good. It's not good. And I'm pretty sure we're not going to have any audio files. And if we do, then at some point, it's going to be a return on investment between fiddling with the audio settings, like what I'm just talking about, or me ordering $1,000 worth of soundproofing for this room and changing the microphone and having a different arm, maybe not having it on my desk, even though it's got a shock mount, um, maybe having it on my boom arm over there and blah, blah, blah. I mean, 
So right now the return on investment is if we figure out this recording things, thing a little bit better, then that's probably going to improve audio quality, maybe significantly. So we're never going to have, so with that system in mind, we would never have uh, audio quality issues through Discord. Discord could never go robot on us. It would never matter. And uh, there would be no audio drops. Even, even losing the internet connection wouldn't matter. Like I could still sp keep speaking even though we're not streaming because the internet connection died. But we would each, we wouldn't have to talk to one another anymore. We would just record locally. Even though you'd be panicking, I, I could just keep talking and not notice the internet dies. Um, which would be funny. But that point, if the internet dies, I would just... Yeah, you'd like text me. Yeah, that I just wouldn't <laughs> like, care and just... We lost our stream. I'd just be like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll just keep doing it. <laughs> and we'd still have a show. We just wouldn't have a live audience for... I mean, that... How often does anybody lose internet connection? And a bunch of Americans who are shaking their heads. But, it, like, my experience of looting, losing internet connection has been... Um, I lost it earlier today for some reason, for a few minutes. And it, it bothered me. I just decided, oh, you know, that's a sign. Maybe I'll, I'll go get a snack. And that's what I did. And just come back and it's, it's fixed. So, but there are hiccups and whether or not they're your internet provider or your computer or whatever the heck or the service you're using, it varies. Um, but our internet is solid. It's nice to have a backup plan that does not rely on, you know, it, you, you want to remove yourself from as many problems as possible. So like I've talked about, talked about with a business relying on something in their supply chain, if you can remove some tool in your pyramid of dependencies in, in your project, if you can remove the things that you're relying on as many as those things as possible, or you can better guarantee as many things as possible, if you can do that, you have less moving parts, less things that can go wrong. It's often very, very hard to do that. But you'd be surprised both how many things you can remove as dependencies and how many things you are dependent on that you didn't realize it. Like what happened? So the, part of our, our workflow is rebooting before starting the stream, right? That's not always happening, but that's going to be important. Maybe we should not reboot. Maybe not rebooting is really important or because if you, you have don't. an update and you reboot and something weird happens, like reverting an update might be really easy, but you'd have to learn how real quick, right before a show. And uh, so, so, and that's how you would learn that Windows itself is a dependency, is a volatile dependency. And so, I know people that do streaming, but they do, they it's a separate computer or a separate, like sandboxed environment. And it's, it's heavily behind a firewall that's not installed as software on it. It's installed as like server-side stuff that their internet connection goes through. And so that computer doesn't have a lot of that stuff in it because it doesn't need it. And it doesn't, it literally has Windows updating turned off, but not via mechanisms of Windows because you can't do it permanently in Windows, via the administrative stuff. And so this guy, he does streaming, but his streaming box doesn't Windows update at all. Just, it doesn't, because, I mean, he knows his stuff, so he knows how to do, he doesn't install new software on it, so it can't have viruses, 
It can't connect to, he doesn't use it to surf randomly. So it's not going to get, unless Facebook starts sending out viruses, it's not going to do that. You know, unless Twitch becomes unreliable, it's not going to do that. So he, he built an environment that's like that, but we can't. So we have to identify uh, any particular problems and re technically removing Discord or even the internet from the supply chain as a dependency, recording locally to disk might, I think it's a good idea to pursue. I think it's a good idea to pursue early rather than late. And I think it would guarantee better quality audio, even though we don't have golden ears. I'm back. Oh, greetings, lurkers and bots. Okay, so we were talking during our break about Mimi's um, got a set of headphones. Do you want to talk about your headphones? Do you want to talk about the make and model and stuff like that? The make and model Steel Series, the Maker Model Arctis Wireless X Wireless Pro. They were not inexpensive headphones, right? So. It's a little strange to hear this, but um, the problem that you were describing was when there is silence, uh, it, it has static, which is really strange to hear. It's really strange to hear because um, normally what would happen is if it's not receiving any data on, it, do you have it set to be Bluetooth? You have it set to be like the whatever Wi-Fi wireless, right? Yeah, that's how um, it communicates. And that's kind of its proprietary thing. It's its own data channel and all that. And so it, it the hardware-wise, it controls it. And it's surprising because normally what would happen is if it's not receiving any data, then it should just not have anything. And you think, well, that would mean that it would not be sending static, right? That's not really what's happening because it's not. It's technically not receiving any audio it's not pumping any audio it's maintaining a signal and all that it's and whatever is happening is happening but um there is hardware within the headset itself which has physical speakers you know with a moving membrane and little magnets and stuff like that if you guys ever get a chance go to like a, a thrift store and buy a set of, of speakers for cheap i mean drive down the street or whatever and either find a yard sale if you can or just find somebody throwing out some speakers and pull them apart because it's really cool what's inside. And if you get like larger drivers from a stand-up, like a cabinet type of stereo, pull them apart and you'll see like the electromagnet arrangement and the wiring and the speaker membranes. It's really cool. And what's in your headset is a tiny version of the same thing. And the thing is that's hardware and it's physical and there's electronics in there. And physically through there, there could be, you can get away with calling it quality issues. Now, normally, in when you've got wired headphones, that background noise is the background hiss of the, you'd say it's like the inefficiency of the way the electronics is done. And I mean, the literal electricity and wiring. And normally it's called caused by something called a ground loop. And the ground loop is a problem with wired headphones. So it's really surprising to have it, have something happening on a headset. And I, I had to do a lot of research because um, I, I bought a really expensive, well, for me, for my age at the time, a really expensive pair of earbuds. 
and I had to make sure that they really well matched all the numbers for the the player that I had. And uh, I don't, I didn't really set out to do it intentionally, but the match was perfect. It was incredible. And the headphones were so good that I could sit at the back of the bus and I could have the volume set to minimum and I would still hear it loud and clear. Back of the bus is really loud. And uh, it would have no background hiss whatsoever because everything in the loop was really high quality. And uh, I had to research using words like like headphone hum and stuff like that until I figured out the language of my problem. Um, but it's a ground loop. And you can actually buy rather expensive specialized hardware. It's usually for audio files and people setting up a stereo system and stuff like that. We'd have these little intermediate boxes playing referee to get rid of this noise. And you have, this is why people swear by certain quality wiring and, and oh, you've got to have gold plated tips and blah, blah, blah. It's really not true that that stuff matters at all. I, I, I've had, uh, I, I will listen to what professionals say on these topics. And there, while there is a lot of debate and it's fine to spend extra money so you feel good, um, but that is what the professional says. You get decent quality stuff, but that's not where the quality problem problems happen. The quality problems happen with other equipment, not the wiring. The wiring is it's fine. It's fine, whatever it is. Uh, but the ground loop thing, it's not a wiring thing. It's somewhere in the equipment. And it, it is a, a literal grounding problem on, on your audio equipment. So having it on a set of headphones means that somewhere the actual equipment itself is kind of off there's some weird thing happening with the electricity um so they cheaped out somewhere and i don't know what's going on i would personally i would have gone nuts and i would have sent them back um and now that i said that i'm gonna have to listen to it on these new headphones <laughs> so i hate you how dare how dare you mention that um, so you switch to other headphones you said, at least for now? I could, but I like those. No, no, I mean, you were talking about switch, you, you switched to earbuds or something for the podcast? So using the exact that's... same port we were using to watch movies at night, that's what I'm doing. Really? With another pair of headphones? Yes, with that's the awesome. headphones that came with the phone, with my phone. Okay, so so let me, let me see if I understand this. So it goes from your computer to a... A, a specialized Wi-Fi box the, across the, that special Wi-Fi out to your headphones, your wireless headphones, out a headphone jack from those phone headphones, which is really rare. I love that tech. Into mid-range headphones, earbuds from your phone, not not connected to your phone, but from that came with your phone. Um, and those don't have the ground loop, really. <laughs> That's awesome. That means there is a problem between the the drivers in your headphones, or well, quality issue between those drivers and your electronics or battery or something or other. But that loop doesn't exist with your uh, with your with your jack. What is it? Two and a half millimeter jack. Which that that's fascinating. That's really fascinating to hear. <laughs> but at least the problem is solved, and it's still kind of wireless. I, I'm guessing what you're doing is you're hanging the uh, wireless headset around your neck 
<laughs> like a towel for uh, boxers between matches. I'm just kind of there. Yeah, I'm going old school uh, gaming days. That's hilarious. Okay, on to something weird. Uh, so I talked about in the previous show uh, the idea of a life lesson being the benefit of some financial mistake in your life. And when it's something little, that lesson, you can just eat it and you can you can still feel okay about that. You can be ripped off and still feel okay about that. You still got ripped off or whatever, still a problem happened. Um, but you can think of the lost money as having been spent well on a life lesson. So my example was I had a an item on sale that I bought from Amazon. It's the nozzle for a garden hose, right? So it's 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 pretty good. So it's got the little lever thing and it's got this this spinny dial that will change different spray types and stuff like that. And so it's really nice, except it broke. It broke, broke like right away. <laughs> and it's embarrassing. And maybe I can fix it, but frankly, no. So I'm, I'm just going to return it. But the thing is, it's a $10 life lesson. It's a life lesson that I didn't need to go to university and have somebody pretend. I did. And that's why I'm summarizing really quick. Oh. And uh, so I didn't have to go into debt in university to learn life lessons or anything like that. I just paid 10 bucks for this thing. Right? So I learned something. Now, I actually went uh, online and I ordered. I decided I would take that life lesson now that I understand this topic. And I, I understood this topic now, and it cost me 10 bucks. Um, I went and I bought a new nozzle. And the nozzle I bought is the same, the same layout. Like, this thing is cheap plastic. That's actually really nice. But I could pull this apart and really learn how it works. I don't think I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to return it. But the, the next one I got is the same arrangement, but it's solid metal. <laughs> so it's it's steel. And boy, is it going to last. And it, it's interesting because uh, it came with a something called a, a quick connect, which in gardening, a quick connect is uh, you would have it from your tap to your hose or from your hose to your attachment. So it might be um, a nozzle like this, or it might be one of those garden sprinklers of some sort. Um, or it might be something really weird, like um, maybe you've got misters or something for your garden that, that atomize the water, like I've talked about before. So this came with half of that attachment. So what the seller was trying to do was give you that half of things and have you buy the other half. They're, they're trying to say, hey, this technology exists. And this supports that if only you buy this other thing, which only costs, you know, whatever, um, which is good. I mean, I, I misunderstood what they were offering me. So I got to eat. Well, actually, I got it, I got it uh, not on sale, but I had them throw it in for free. So I didn't lose anything, but I did learn that I did learn that I have to buy the other attachment. So I learned about attachment as well. As it turns out, this replacement nozzle. So my broken, cheap, on-sale nozzle experience led me down this new path to learn about this other quick connect technology. What, what a wonderful thing to learn by only spending 10 bucks. So I, I haven't bought any of that, but what I did learn is, because I read re reviews, reviews you should read, and I learned people talking about, oh, this leaks and oh, this, et cetera. So I'm thinking, okay, well, what do I know about, about 
this stuff. And I went poking around. And and it's weird because sometimes you don't know that other knowledge you have maps over to some new experience. So I learned that, of course, stuff is leaking because what you're doing is you're attaching analog devices to analog devices. Water's going to find a way to leak through. Well, yeah, okay, but there's an entire field of knowledge de devoted just to understanding water and pipes, a plumber. And so you would use something called plumber's tape which I actually physically have. I physically own plumber's tape. I, I bought that as like a, you know, if you ever change the, the, the shower head, you should have a waterfall shower head. They're really nice. They're life-changing. And if you ever change one, you need to use pipe tape and make sure that there are no leaks. And so that's exactly what people should be using on their garden hoses. On, from the nozzle to the hose or from the hose to their quick connect, in that case, is what they were complaining about. And I don't have to worry about that because I know about plumbing well enough that I now, apparently now, I know about garden plumbing. And so I got, uh, I'm getting some, they're actually solid aluminum. They're just colored brass <laughs> to trick people. Um, but I'm getting some, they, I might actually, I don't think I'm going to buy the expensive pure brass ones, but uh, I'm getting nice metal ones. And I did a little bit of research, a little, little bit more. And when I say research, I mean, you can do research by reading through comments. You can do research by looking through, you know, people who bought this also bought X, right? And you could look through recommendations. And I did that and I, until I found something called plumber's grease, which is used kind of like the opposite of plumber's tape. Plumber's tape, you're not really meant to, to screw on and screw off something. Because if you screw off something, you got to replace the tape before you screw it back on. So it's meant for permanent installation. But if you've got an installation that's meant to move or that's meant to be removed completely, you want to uh, lubricate it a little bit. Because if you don't, it is possible for time and expansion to, to seal that. And I actually have a previous garden hose nozzle attachment that I can't take apart. That's why I replaced the entire affair with this new metal hose that I've talked about and the new nozzle that I'm now talking about. So I'm gonna order some grease as well with it. And I'm gonna use it for the quick connect stuff. And uh, it along, probably it alongside pipe tape, I think I can use them together to make sure that the all of the little fixtures that I've got everywhere aren't gonna seize up over time. So I'm actually spending you never, there's always hidden costs in absolutely everything. So um, don't go broke when you're buying something because there's probably some more upkeep costs that you don't know about as you're learning. And you don't want your learning experience to be like what my learning experience could be was it might take a couple of years, but I might learn that my, uh, my new nozzle being all nice and metal and stuff will essentially get cemented on, will get rusted into the hose, my nice new hose. My learning lesson might be replacing the entire hose and nozzle, which is not cheap. But instead, the research that I did means that my learning les lesson comes right down to this $10 busted nozzle. And um, so I, I learned, it's interesting, I, I learned about, uh, I learned about plumbing for gardening which is kind of weird, and it, it helps me think 
quite a little bit differently because it also helps me think about what knowledge I would need to get if I wanted like outdoor irrigation. Like if you got um, a water hungry garden, so it involves a lot of tomatoes and cucumbers and, and watermelons, go figure that watermelons need water. <laughs> All that stuff is really, really water hungry. So you might find yourself required to go out there and water by hand every day. But now that I understand it, I know what avenue to research if I want to put a plumbing out in my backyard with like PVC pipes and, and specialized atomizing nozzles and stuff like that. I know how to set that up as a permanent installation. So I can go out there, turn one tap, have a splitter on my, my backyard tap and, turn, and, and redirect the flow to one of the splits and have it go through piping with atomizers to automatically mist a garden. And I could go and do that for like, and have it just missed for an hour and come back out and turn it off again without having to go and unreal um, a hose and go out and water by hand. I now know enough. It's not that it gives me confidence, but I now know enough that I can go out there and, um, and hose everything. So that was wonderful to, to learn. I don't think I'm going to do any of that because I don't want to, I don't want to build structures. I think raised beds is a little bit much right now. That's probably what I'm going to do. But I'll make a couple of raised beds and the rest is probably going to be grass or grass or paths with wildflowers or something like that. I'm going to put down some, I think they're called paving stones. So they, they'd be like right, maybe round uh, pads of, Usually they're pretty cheap, but they're not quite like cement. They're embedded with all kinds of little rocks, like little pebbles, and it's, and they'd be round. And you want round because if you get square, now they all need to line up and have a certain gap. And wow, if you just get round stones, you put a bunch of round stones, one in front of the other, from out into your garden, wherever the heck, out into your yard. And then if I do that, I can just have flowers everywhere for all I care, and grass. And I just, I step out into the flower. <laughs> okay, maybe I'm, maybe that's a bad idea unless I have multiple paths. Uh, but I still have to weed, right? So uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm probably just going to mow flat everything except a couple of race beds for now. But I'll, you know, I'm still thinking about it. But if I have a gardening series, I'll, I'll, I will muse about all of those sorts of things in some separate, whatever the heck. Um, since this podcasting thing does seem to be pretty interesting and I can keep talk, keep talking forever. Um, at any rate, so usually a third segment has a lot of administrative with some technical stuff in it. So I'll, I'll go into some of that stuff. Um, so, so let me see, uh, Minion, for your to-do list, um, so we've talked about it before. We've talked about having break music could you make sure that that is on there for sure for realsies okay and also to have we need to make sure that we have and connect to quote-unquote social media or other links so i think that during so our play uh, our active title card so right now it just says lucid indifference that should also include or occasionally animate in or whatever the heck, like a link to our YouTube channel or something like that. 
And um, I don't know that we can give a channel name that way or, or how it works to make it easy to, for people to find it. Um, but certainly that's something that should be uh, put into the description of the Twitch channel. And um, so, it, so, and also especially during breaks, it should be nice and prominent and stuff like that. Because, you know, we had, we've had people talking in here and it would be nice if they knew where to, where, where they can find full shows because we've had enough full shows to start wanting to tell people about them. So you could have a link directly to the playlist of all the shows and you could have a link just to the channel or whatever the heck. So your choice and you control that stuff. Um, and uh, so I guess the next question, so I, I'm going to guess it's a no. Um, have you done any more work with something like iTunes to upload yet? Or are you still waiting on that? I have not done work towards it. Done nothing. Okay, so and that's so that's a goal you can have between now and your next show. And is to what I'll do is when I'm doing the clip stuff, I'll I will for realsies this time because I was a little messed up. Um, for this time, I will, I'll go through and I'll number the episodes and I'll make sure you know which one's first and clean up all the, all of everything else. It's pretty good right now, but we had a couple of test shows that, that I'll remove. Um, also, I wanted to know on that note what your opinion was. So you know how I'm going through and I'm picking out some clips as kind of our teasers coming up between shows. So for example, today is Wednesday and we're gonna have, um, we're going to have a couple of days worth of clips and then the live is going to go out. So we're going to have Thursday and Friday, we'll have clips. Saturday will be the full show. This full show will come out. And so I go through and I scrub through and I look at stuff and I pull clips out and I give those to you. Uh, what is your thought on me pulling out something more complex? Because you wanted to limit it to under five minutes, which is... Sometimes well, quite challenging. Five minutes, but just a small, Smallish. small segment. Yeah. So, what's your opinion on me pulling out a largest segment and having it like up on my YouTube channel? Not that I have a lot of subscribers Should or anything. Be okay. And then reference this thing, because um, I, I think that what that would let me do is, nor normally I would what I would do is I would make my own YouTube videos on rambly topics. They may not be appropriate for the show, but there may be stuff in the show that um, that I could clip and pull out and either add to in my own space or just have as is. What's your opinion on doing something like that and referencing to the this show? I'd say it should be fine. Okay. Um, and w I would not bring in like... I don't know that I would have the same audience or anything like that, or even suggest the same audience, because that is where I would, like, I've got a document camera, right? So for my normal streaming, which I haven't been doing for a while because of this, now I'm not blaming you, but I am doing this show. Uh, well, normally what I do is I would sit there and little, literally read a book. So I'm not going to do that for the show, and I'm not going to talk about writing or anything like that. Um, so I am keeping my world separate. Um, so technically speaking, I have three, three video related content producer related stuff. So one is 
me talking about stuff um and then this show talking about stuff but it's it would be different stuff um and then my writer related stuff and um so that just lets me kind of reference this as a um, in my other streaming related stuff it's just yeah it's kind of neat i want to i technically this would be a full-time job theoretically speaking right um for this show plus my own personal stuff plus my author related stuff is technically um, <laughs> technically all a second job um at any rate so i wonder and you may not, not know off the top of your head but i so we've been going through i've been going through this. so you take notes when i change to an obvious topic which is really helpful um, but it's technically optional and uh, so you don't have to be stressed about that. Um, so you never have to choose between listening to me and interacting with the audience, for example. And um, But you take notes, and I import those notes, and I clean up tags, and I, I add more. And I haven't been exporting them as subtitles, but I am cleaning things up slowly to make sure that they become suitable as subtitles. I can even begin like a second label track and have one label track be just for subtitles, uh, subtitles indicating topic changes, as opposed to like speaking, not like movie subtitles, but topic subtitles. Um, so I am doing that. And so I wonder, because right now what I'm doing is I'm cutting and pasting or I'm copying and pasting from those notes out into a list for YouTube. Uh, so I wonder how large can the description area of a youtube video be do you know quite long yeah because i think i i just don't want to have like i'm making sure that all the links are as short as possible and i'm being brief with everything i just so can you make a note to find out um so that i know and i can i can do like a character count on the file that i give you and make sure my character count is under a certain amount to give you plenty of space for like posting to add links in the description for our playlists or you know website or whatever the heck that kind of stuff. Um, so it's nice to know so that I don't worry, okay. and I'll, I'll act accordingly. And if we have to post additional stuff as links in comments, we can do that. So you could like have a a pinned like a heart comment. And that comment is like a cut and paste of the description with timestamps. And then you can, if you run out of space, you just reply to that and have more and more and more for all that matters. Like we can do that if we need to, but, uh, but it would be nice for me to learn just to help you out. Anyhow, we're done. I'll uh, see you guys again real soon. Okay. Bye.